I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Cow Corner Extra Show. With me, the Dolly Dropper, James Hurl, Ian Slat Slater, Ian Alderson, and Ollie Griffiths. For your latest dose of all things lower league Shropshire cricket. And welcome back to another episode of the Cow Corner Podcast Extra Show, episode 12 and 101 in total. What a wonderful score. We've hit our ton and we're battling on and we're going for a big daddy ton. My name is James Hurl and once again I am joined by the man himself, the wordsmith, Ian Alderson. How are we, Ian? You all right? I'm very well, thanks, James. Uh, very well indeed. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> I can see some books in the background. I'm assuming those aren't your uh, Corvdale captain books because there's way too many there. They're flying off the shelves still. It's the next instalment, perhaps. <laughs> oh, little <laughs> teaser. Uh, maybe we'll get you to read a, a little segment of the, your new book later on in the show. And yeah, we went from full eggheads in the last episode, Ian, to a 50-50 mix. Uh, We've got some people with her on this episode. No Ian Slater tonight because because of everyone's schedules and how everything is running. We are recording this on a Sunday night, which is unusual. We normally do it on a Monday. But Ian is on 100 duty uh, for the league, as that is his baby and that is what he runs. But... Fear not, back off his holiday and back full of energy, ready to go is Ollie Griffiths. How are we, Ollie? Hi, uh, hi everyone. Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. I did listen to the last podcast, actually, and I did chuckle when you were talking about uh, uh, eggheads and all being a bit bald. So I did I did consider, but unfortunately Ian's not here, but I was going to wear a, like a swimming cap so we'd all feel, <laughs> you'd, you'd all feel, <laughs> you, you wouldn't feel too envious of my hair, but... As it turns out, there's someone else on the podcast with uh, a full head of hair. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm not the odd one out tonight, thankfully. One of us. One of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Ollie, as you mentioned, we do have ourselves a very special guest. So we don't have Ian Slat Slater, but uh, we have someone with equally as much gravitas and uh, another big name in Shropshire cricket and someone you all know and a cow corner favorite uh, so it is my great pleasure to welcome Charlie Rogers of Condover Cricket Club welcome Charlie how are we mate 
Oh, good. Thanks, James. Um, yeah, it was nice to have 10 overs of cricket yesterday and then spend the rest of the afternoon in the pub. But uh, no, thanks for inviting me on. I'm not sure how well the ratings will do now they've heard that I'm on it, but we'll uh, we'll soon see. <laughs> well, it's good. To, I would say put a, a face to a name to for all of our listeners, but it's more of a voice to a name for all of our listeners as you are someone who we constantly bring up as a player to look out for. So, Charlie, at Condover Cricket Club, tell us a little bit about how it's started for you in your cricketing uh, journey in Shropshire? Well, I, start, I guess I have to go back to when my dad sort of played uh, in the days black and white and what when my dad was playing. He started off at Condover when he was about 14, 15, back in the mid-70s. That's how old he is. Uh, <laughs> played there for a few years, moved on to Sentinel, a couple of years at Whitchurch um, and then back at Condover. So yeah, we started quite young, running around the boundaries, a baby and a toddler and whatnot with dad playing. Dad sort of stopped playing once my brother appeared and then I actually started off in Kunz Juniors playing there under 13s quite a few years ago now and uh, my dad made the fatal mistake of going down to Condover to watch a game where he got asked the famous question what are you doing next Saturday Joel to which he then ended up playing again and we and dad have been stuck there ever since so yeah Condover have been there over 10 years now um, started off in the second team worked up into the first I've basically done everything I've captained the first team I've unofficially taken over a few second team games midweek games as well I've done ground coaching so basically the jack of all trades master of none pretty much at Condor is what I've been excelling at for the last few years but no I've really enjoyed it met a lot of great people Condover's version of Ollie Griffiths and as you'll appreciate Ollie it's it's a lot of hard work when you are expected to do that much stuff for a single club yeah it's um it's tough and you know hats off to to Charlie and and all the other guys at every club um, that do the same thing. Yeah, it's tough. You, you know, I think a good many people know that I like Charlie and do a lot of the groundwork with a couple of others that help me. And I'm sure Charlie's got a couple that help him. But you know, the the bulk of the organisation and and what goes into our respective cricket clubs uh, falls on our, falls on very few shoulders. Um, so it does get quite tough. So anyone who's willing to put their hands up and say, "Yeah, I'll I'll do that," or organize that or the odd question or oh, what, what how do we do this or oh, oh just go and ask ollie or just go and ask charlie you'll know um so it's um it, it, it can be quite tough and and as and as a good many people listening to this will know uh Calver hall are having a lot of struggles this year um so it, it gets even harder when you when you're struggling for for numbers so uh, i'm sure we'll come back onto that later on when we get to that division but um Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, fair play. It's um, it's a it's a tough old, it's a tough old task to uh, drive a club forward, and fair play to those guys and everyone that that, that does it successfully. Yeah, so we'll take it back actually a little bit, uh, Charlie, if you don't mind me doing so. And a bit like Ollie said, tough decisions being made in respect of the club and the position of the club. Condover, a mainstay in Division 1 and Division 2 for many years, um, up until 2018, when you decided for the following season in 2019 that you were to drop the team down into Division 5. Um, so, first of all, what was the rationale? How did that all come about? And how are you finding that that decision has affected the club moving forwards and how you know how has the club moved forward since yeah i mean we we'd always you know we 
I think the team that we had around the time in Division Two, so the 2015-16 side, was a, a great team. You know, those who are listening who would be familiar with some of the lads who played for us, the Far Brothers, uh, John Mansell, uh, Tom Reynolds, a few others, uh, Rushi, Simon Dodds, everyone knows Dodsey. Um, they were part of a great side. They got us up. And, you know, I think we were kind of, in a way, punching above our weight a little bit in Division One. We had such a good team. You know, me, Jordan, Robbie, the Barker lads, they started to get into the team and we got introduced. But the 2018 season was a big struggle. Um, availability issues from those lads I've just mentioned. We had to call up a lot of second team players, so that put an impact on the second team. And it, we got relegated anyway. I think it was ourselves and Welsh Paul that finished in the bottom two. So at that time, I said we lost the Far Brothers. One of them's now in Scotland, one's in London. Um, couple of us, Paddy's up in Liverpool. So we just lost the whole bulk of that mainstay, that first team, basically. And the committee decided at the time, in order, you know, morale was pretty low at that point as a club. Um, so the committee requested that, although we were getting relegated as it was, could we possibly move down another division to allow ourselves to maybe blood in some of the youngsters? You know, I was 18 at the time. So it was Robbie. Jordan was about 20, 21 couple of the other boys uh, just to get just to try and rebuild basically and hopefully start give us an easier platform to introduce our juniors um, division five season that was a complete that was a big change from where we've been before and it did take a bit of adjusting but we got there um, we got promoted covid season hit and then since then we've always been the always been the brides but never the bride in division four it's kind of been uh, there's always been two teams that have just pipped us to it and a little bit better um Partly because of our own doing, not winning those key moments and those big games, you know, sort of falling apart a bit. Um, not quite, um, I don't know how to word it really, not quite sort of finishing games off or, you know, drop catches. Just those little moments which cost you big, uh, cost you big points. So, but since then, it's, you know, we've got a good team spirit. We've rebuilt a side. We've got about 14, 15 of a squad, including some of the young lads, uh, the Upton boys, Lucas, Rowan, who I know has been mentioned before and a couple of others but we've got a good team spirit we've got the youngsters coming through same with our second team so hopefully it won't you know it won't be in the next two years but hopefully maybe three four years down the line if we keep these group of lads together we'll hopefully start to kick back on again yeah so where do you see condover moving forwards in the next few years and obviously you're doing your coaching as well which is helping bring on a new generation of condover players as well as helping other players who are currently playing for the side and is it just a case of as soon as you go up, you'll feel that that momentum will carry on pushing you through and do you want to end up uh, back where you were? Or is it just a case of just going as you, as your team progresses? Uh, I don't think we're looking too far ahead. I mean, we've always, as a group, we do want to try and get ourselves up another division um, just to test ourselves a bit more. And, you know, hopefully our youngsters get more confidence and improve. You know, it puts them in the better positions coming to a stronger league. Uh, personally, from where I look at it, certainly when I was captain the last two years, maybe four years, five years' time, it would be great to be back in the Division 2 side where, you know, where we were for a good couple of years, floating between Division 1 Division 2. But, you know, we don't want to put that much pressure on ourselves going, oh, we have to go up, we have to go up. And, you know, then it impacts, maybe we don't enjoy it and we lose a bit of that team spirit. So I think we're quite a relaxed group. We're just going to go with the flow. Um the main thing is, as a club, is that we enjoy our cricket. We keep putting two teams out and we keep developing our juniors and giving them the chance to play for the club, in whether it's a Saturday or a midweek. And you're looking to do some improvements to the ground as well? Yeah, that's been uh, <laughs> that's been in the pipeline for a few years. That has uh, obviously COVID 
you know that buzzword again that had that's had a big impact because the way it was costed up a few years ago what we wanted to do obviously since then the cost of labor has gone up the cost of materials has gone up so we're hoping to get things kick-started um, I feel like I've been saying that for three years now it's it's been very tough um, finding contractors and people to come and say yes we'll do the job uh, finding the time scale to do it you know applying for grants and waiting for people to get back to you but fingers crossed in the next few months hopefully something can really start to be put in place that we can really kick on and develop our facilities a lot more great stuff so well we're at the halfway point now and I think the main buzzword has been rain but what i'm going to do is i'm just going to quickly go around the zoom and i want you to answer in three words how you would summarize the first half of the season so three words to summarize the first half of the season and we'll start with the man himself ian alderson win lose draw (laughs) i love it i love it that's six words win lose draw i love it come on (laughs) <laughs> great stuff ollie how would you summarize the first half of the season in uh three words very very tough mm. yeah it's been a it's been a tough tough start for for a lot of sides with a lot of, i think a lot of teams just uh holding on really until uh, they could get a bit more availability obviously be coming up to that in the next few divisions uh charlie uh, I'm going to counteract Ian here just to play devil's advocate and go win, lose, please. <laughs> is what I'm going to say. Um, yes, you might call me one of the younger generation um, who just wants to go crash, bang, wallop over. I'm totally useless at slogging. But uh, I've really enjoyed the win, lose format. I feel like it brings everyone into the game. But I know that's been the point that's been laboured several times on the podcast. So I don't think we'll divulge <laughs> a lot further than that, I don't think. Yeah, I, well, it was a conversation we had on the boundary yesterday uh, at Albury anyway. We were saying like it feels so long since we played win-lose-draw because obviously we finished last season with win-lose. We've started this season with win-lose and today was, well, this Saturday was the first win-lose-draw in what seems like ages and everyone was rooting through the rule book, trying to remember what the points were and what you could do and how many bowlers could do what. But uh yeah, it feels like it's been a long time away, Ian. It has been a long time away. And I saw Charlie's mouth moving then, and I just heard Ian Slater's voice come out. I just, just don't know what happened. I think there, <laughs> there must be a technical glitch there. Charlie, I was hoping for a bit of support, you know. <laughs> this is when you butt in now, Charlie. That's what Slater does, you know. Um, but... Uh... <laughs> I think I think the silence in this case, Ian, is uh, deafening um, <laughs> in regards to win, lose, draw. But no, it's it's been good to get back, and obviously with the twenty four points and um, the way that you've got to manage the toss, and especially on weekends where there's wait where there's rain uh, expected, there are some interesting decisions. And if you can get a big win, it will change the table considerably. Something I've noticed is the diff- the quality of pitches this season because of the amount of rain and then just a barren period with none of it whatsoever. It feels like it's been a groundsman's nightmare this season, Ollie. Um, yeah, so we obviously had a, quite a wet run into the start of the year and um, I think every ground bar condo was, was soft and we managed to get the... we, we, we I didn't think we would, but we did manage to get um, our first game of the season on 
was, for, it was quite a soft wicket, but it played okay. But then we went from one extreme to the other, and within three weeks, we were there was people were watering wickets and trying to get enough water on there because it had gone so dry and so hard. If if you'd managed to get your rolling in pre-season or in that three-week period, then it actually created some some decent tracks around, and that's quite notable by some of the high scores knocking around throughout the throughout the leagues. There's a lot of um, sort of 250s, 350s scores knocking around. You're not seeing many of the sort of low 100s scores uh, unless they're chasing the 350s when uh, we all know that it can be a bit soul-destroying having spent uh, 40 overs or 45 overs chasing leather around the outfield in the 30-degree heat and then you're asked to go out and bat and all of a, all of a sudden you're uh, 70 for nine and uh, facing an early an early bath. So, um, But yeah, no, the, the wickets, it's been tough. And if you as long as you can get a bit of moisture on there to keep those wickets not too dry and uh, make sure they're not breaking up too early, then you can produce some really good, really good wickets. One thing I have noticed this season compared to last season is there's been a considerable decrease in chat around cricket balls. Everyone seems to be a lot happier with them this season compared to last season. And are you shaking your head, Ollie? You're not, you're not as happy with them this season. I, I think they're they're okay. They're fine balls, but I just don't think they do do much. Mm. I just think I think they're I think uh, we played the first we played the first four home games with last year's balls and they actually did a bit they actually moved a bit you know there was a bit for for bat and ball um but since we've moved on to this year's bats they just seem to do a little bit less in my opinion um you know i, I don't i don't know if anyone else has found that but i just seem to find think that they're they, they go out of shape a little bit easier maybe um I mean, no ball does well in the wet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the one yesterday resembled, well, the the second or third one that hadn't been put in the river um, resembled a bar of soap by the time yeah. we uh, finished our bowling innings. But yeah, I'd, that, yeah, there's nothing wrong with the balls. They, they're decent balls. Um, I just don't think they do, or they offer as much to the bowlers maybe. Um, mm. We haven't found them too bad at Corvdale. Um, you know, it's... It's what it is. We we have to play with them, and that's uh, you know. Um, I thought probably they weren't as good last season as the ones we'd used the season before, the Duke's mm. balls. But we've got used to them. They do tend to get. I find they'll take a lot of wear. I think they wear very quickly. Um, you know, when when it's the conditions are drier. You have more difficulty keeping shine on a ball. It, they, they they tend to to wear both sides, even if you're shining. Mm. Yeah, like Ollie said, I don't think they do a, a great deal really. Um, when we played in conditions where you think, oh, it's 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 going to do a bit here, it's hardly ever gone. That might be down to my ability as a bowler, perhaps. That, that's probably why, to be honest. <laughs> but the one we played with last Saturday, what we found is they felt quite sticky on the hands. And we put it down to, like, when you hold it, and it, we put it down to maybe putting sun cream on, something like, you know, when you on your hands, you've applied it, whatever, or your hands are really sweating or whatever. Um, but it literally felt last week like we couldn't shine. Honestly, we could not get the rough side going. I don't know if it's just an anomaly or what. We couldn't get it going for about 20 overs. And it was just like going straight, straight, straight. Both sides felt like sticky. It was really weird. And only after 20 overs did we really get the other side roughed up. But again, we're playing Division Four lower league Shropshire cricket. I don't think 
you know, any of us are silly enough to think we should be playing with £50, £65 jigball, should we, you know, I think we kind of <laughs> know that that's where we're at. Um, they're red and round, you can hit them, so there you go, that's all you can ask for, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they're definitely better than some of the balls we've played with in, in previous seasons, and I remember some, some bright red things that we used to use in the lower leagues sort of 10 years ago and they were shockingly bad you know and the, these are good balls I just don't mm. think they do like like you know like Charlie said they just don't do a lot and that lacquer is quite sticky on them yeah and um, that's a good point Charlie they are you know a few people have mentioned that that they almost get stuck in the hand when they're trying to release yeah. the ball early on again like Charlie said we don't want to be spending 50 quid a ball and you know and they're a good pro- price ball for for the needs of, of the league I think okay right so Let's get ourselves on and let's start the show properly with our divisional roundups. And we start with Division 4. Okay, so we start in Division 4 and leading the way in Division 4 are Wheaton Aston. They have been top pretty much since day one. Week 4, they took the top spot off Gillsfield and haven't looked back. They lead Gillsfield by 33 points. Wheaton Aston on 199. Gillsfield in second joint now, joined by Newport's second 11, who joined them on 166. The last time we recorded, second place was Whitchurch, second 11. They have since dropped down into fourth place. They are eight points behind them. Then this is where there's a bit of a jump, 34 points down to fifth place, Condover. One point behind them are Shrewsbury, third 11. Then five points behind them are Harpers and Schiffnall, third 11 in joint seventh. Then 11 points behind them in ninth are Frankton's second 11. In 10th place, seven points behind them are Hodnett and Peplow. Then a massive jump down to your bottom two. 41 points behind them are Bridge North third 11. And two points behind them are Bishop's Castle. Now, Charlie, I will start with yourself. How have you found Division 4? What are your thoughts about Division 4 this season so far at the halfway stage? Uh, at the halfway point, I've having looked at the league at the start of the season, I thought, okay, this might be a bit of a, a more challenging division with Shrewsbury and Whitchurch uh, into the league, Harpers as well. And uh, not that I want to sound like Mystic Meg, but I think that turned out quite right. Um, it's a stronger division this year, I feel. Um, I'll do Cal Corner Bingo and say availability is massive. Um, which it is, especially when you've got the Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury thirds, you've got Witchert seconds in there, you've got Schiffnell thirds, Bridge North, you know, it, you know, whatever their first team's got, it then has a knock-on effect. Um, as you said, Wheaton Aston have have led the way from the start. Um, we played there a few weeks ago. Um, three big players, obviously Nathan Whittingham's played a lot of cricket. It's good experience campaign of the Marsons lads as well. They're they're both good cricketers. And they've got a fantastic team spirit. I think a few of us have seen their uh, infamous, the famous shot bat after the game, which uh, seems mm. very interesting. We'll have to get one ourselves a condo. But they're the good side. They're leading the way. I, I think they'll carry on. I think they'll probably win it. Gillsfield as well. They progressed as a club. I was talking to their captain, Dave Lewis, a few weeks ago, and he said, well, look, we're starting our second team. We're going to get some juniors going. Obviously, they've, they've strengthened. They've had two players uh, come and join them. Chris Scott and Andy Fan have come in, so they're looking well. And at the other end of the scale, you've got Castle and Bridge North, which, you know, having looked at the results, Castle had a lot of games abandoned, especially their home ground, the way the water sort of sits and that one side of the ground that's been tough for them. And then Bridge North as well, 
Um, we haven't played either Castle or Bridge North yet, but they're our next two fixtures. So I don't quite know how they're shaping up in terms of who they've got out. Obviously, they've got Tom Mulder at Castle, who's a good player. Um, so they're, they're struggling, which is a shame. Um, hopefully, Castle can start to pick up the results because it it's a lovely mm. place to play cricket and an even better few pubs afterwards. And then Bridge North, they've got some good youngsters. They had Charlie Ward last season, keeping wicket and batting top of the order. See, so now in their second team. He, he could become a very good player. Um, and they've got the two young lads, the two spinners, the one leg in, the one off spinner. Who they were decent last year, so a year later, I'd imagine they'll be pretty good. So, for their sake, hopefully, those two teams have a better second half. Yeah, you look at the side, the two bottom sides, uh, Bridge North and Bishop's Castle. They both had four games abandoned at the start of the season. Only two other sides had the same, and that's Hodnett and Peplow, who are tenth, who are third bottom, and Schiffnell, who are eighth. Bishop's Castle then had Newport and Wheaton Aston, who were the top two, then had uh, Hodnett, a team who were right next to them. So they've had two hour games and a game against someone close to them. And then there was another abandoned game for both those sides, uh, Bishop's Castle's game against Frankton and Hodnett's game against Newport. And then Bishop's Castle, another run of hard games, Harpers, Whitchurch, Shrewsbury, and then have lost their most recent game to another side in and around, well, I say in and around them, but uh, Schiffnell, who have had a similar luck. At the other end of the table, you then look at Wheaton Aston, and they've only had the three games abandoned. They won the first game against Harpers, then had two abandoned games against Shrewsbury and Schiffnell and then have been unbeaten ever since. They beat Gillsfield, beat Condover and beat Whitchurch and then had this weekend's game against Harper's abandoned. So they've had, as you said, Charlie, there, would we say it's too early to say that they're champions in waiting? I, I, I think they'll be up there. I think it'd be interesting between themselves and Gillsfield. Um, I can't, it depends on the availability of the other clubs. You know, we, we played... Mm. Whitchurch the other week and they had one or two out but even then they were still a, a decent side they had the two young lads opened the bowling uh, I think it was Alex Heath was the one end and he was bowling like lightning and then uh, young Will Lewis as well uh, Shrewsbury thirds when we played them I think they were they were at the club they were quite short the other week having looked at the teams they've been putting out uh, looked like a few of their their lads went up to the seconds and whatnot so it depends what they can put out now. The you know the uh, like we've got as well a few lads that go reeking or Shrewsbury School. If Shrewsbury can get hold of some of those that come and play for them or back from university, I would expect them to start kicking on and maybe for the late push for the top three. But I think Wheaton, Aston, and Gillsford will probably be the the top two in whatever way come the end of the season. Wheaton, Aston haven't been out the top three all season, but. The side on the up, and it's not just because you are here, Charlie, but you're in 10th position in week eight, but have found yourself pushing up the table with a great run of form recently. Three wins out of the last four games, uh, really pushing up there and hopefully looking to get yourself in contention. Obviously, everything that's going on in the Birmingham League, we're not quite sure how many teams will go up and go down, but you kind of looking to try and push into those top two spots. Do you reckon you've got a chance? Uh, we might have an outside chance, but again, I'll, I'll say the, the infamous word. Yeah, actually, I won't say the A word. We've heard it enough uh, in the last few episodes of podcasts and in, especially in these divisions. Um, we know what the A word we're referring to is, but it depends on who there. I think we had a, we had a tough start to the season. Obviously, we played the first game against Gillsfield, and I think we, uh, yeah, we had an infamous over collapse, which we're, we're very good at. Um, we lost a lot of wickets for absolutely nothing, really. Um, then we had the abandoned games. Wheaton Aston away. That that was a that was a great game of cricket when we played there. Um, 
which looking back we should have won but we didn't at the end of the day we should have would have could have didn't and then since then we've had three yeah we've had three good performances uh, a few more lads have chipped in you know we've got rowan with the ball as well who's who's bowling a lot better this year he's bowling fantastically this year he's, he's got that little bit more height with him now so it's coming from a bit more bit more of a drop as he bowls it um rowan's bowling well jordan barker's uh yeah if he gets going he's pretty destructive and then uh I think uh, the performance or the performer of the season so far for us has probably been young Jay Cupton. Got his first 100 uh, against Harper's, 125 not out. He's come on leaps and bounds. His confidence has got so much better. So if we can get those lads firing, um, hopefully we can put ourselves in the top four at least. But there's a lot of cricket to be played yet. I'm surprised that uh, Bridge North um, are down in the bottom two. But, you know, it sounds like a lot of their players have been pulled up into the seconds and, and like, Char like Charlie said, a um, little surprised to see Whitchurch um, not at the top of the table. Um, I know they, I know they were up there a little bit, um, but that buzzword, and I'm not going to say it, but um, I know they even even the likes of Whitchurch have struggled with um, getting a team out. And I know last weekend they had a couple of dads playing for them yeah. um, just to, just to fill the numbers. So um it's it's tough. Um, Wheaton Aston, as Charlie said, they're they're you know they're, they're a quality outfit, and Charlie's already said the bingo word of Nathan Whittingham is another name that gets mentioned quite often. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, if he's if he's doing well, Wheaton Aston are doing well generally. Um, I I agree. I think they're just going to ca carry on now, and they'll they'll probably win that division at a canter the way they're going. Um, you know. And if, like, like Charlie said, they've got a great team spirit going on, that's what it's all about. You don't need to be the 11 best cricketers in the league to win the league. You need to be the 11 cricketers that get on and enjoy playing cricket together the best because that's that's what wins your games. Mm -hmm. All understanding your role within that team and enjoying your cricket and having fun week in, week out. Um, you could have you could have three of the best cricketers in the world in your team, but if, if you've not got team spirit... It it doesn't it doesn't work, um, yeah. You know, so uh, yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a really it's a really enjoyable division to play cricket in, and and I've enjoyed it over the last six or seven years that we've been in that division. You look at Gillsfield and uh, side that we mentioned, Whitchurch, and you look at the games that both sides have lost, and uh, Whitchurch's three losses, two of them have come against other top four sides, Wheaton Aston and lost to Newport. They are, their other loss coming against Harpers, who were at the beginning of the season were right up there and had a great start to the season. Gillsfield's losses have come to Wheaton Aston, Harpers again and Whitchurch. Um, and then Newport, their two losses have come to Wheaton Aston and uh, Condover sides, who, as we've said, can on their day beat anyone. So I was quick to say uh, Wheaton Aston champions in waiting, but there are going to be some big ties in this second half of the season. I'm really looking at week 15, 16, 17, 18, where mm -hmm. all of the top four pretty much play each other one week after the next. So by about week 18, we may know where the title's going or there may be a definitive change or maybe they all take points off each other when we don't know anything at all. Well, obviously the beauty of win-lose-draw, and I know it's not to everyone's taste, but the beauty of it is that it's not just 20 points or six or seven. You know, you can still... If even you know, as as a team, even if you're not going to win the game, you can still get a decent 15, 16 points out of it if you take it all the way to the death. Um, so you know, whereas 
in last year if you know I think well we we had a because it was pretty much there was two teams I can't remember what division it was but um, there was two teams and they just won all their last few games and they were twenty points twenty points twenty points twenty points and then it was won on the last day of the season with a with an umpire's point I think um, yes I think it was so, like division six or seven or something like that last season yeah something like that but the but there's also the added bonus of win the toss back first um yeah. to get the 24 points so there's that there's that temptation to go for the extra points and or you, look- you just play safe and go and just just take the, the easier potentially easier option and bowl first know what you've got to chase and knock it off which is which is mm-hmm. a better option if you know that actually we struggle to take 10 wickets so we'll just we but we can restrict them quite well so we'll just restrict them to a lower score for three or four down and um and we'll knock it off because we know we can knock it off yeah, and you look at that final weekend of the season in Division 4, Wheaton Aston have got Whitchurch, Newport have got Harpers, and uh, Gillsfield have got Bridge North, Condover against Schiffnall, and Shrewsbury have got Bishop's Castle. That's your top six. So that's the, they're your final weekend of the season fixtures. So, yeah, a potential... If Wheaton Aston and Whitchurch are both up there, there's a potential title-deciding game there. Um, or at least it could with Gillsfield playing Bridge North and uh, Condover, Schiffnall and uh, all the different eventualities that can happen with promotion and relegation. Oh, it's uh, it's going to be really fun in Division 4. But looking at this last week's results, all games apart from Schiffnall's uh, were abandoned. Schiffnall getting the victory over Bishop's Castle, William Goff, 6 for 15 for Schiffnell and Nick Shrive, 41 not out, taking Schiffnell to victory against Bishop's Castle there. Before the rain came, yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> they're obviously just far enough, they were obviously just far enough east to have enough time to get <laughs> that game in. <laughs> Harpers versus Wheaton Aston got quite far down the road. Uh, Harpers. 152 all out. Vipul Kolapur uh, with 59 off 83 for Harpers against Wheaton Aston. Joe Marzen again in the wickets, 5 for 35 for Wheaton Aston. And then Moit Gupta, 4 for 38 as Wheaton Aston finished 116 for 7 in the 30th over with the game finally poised going into the final 10 overs. So if there wasn't rain there, it would have been well, it had been a one hell of a finish with both sides feeling like they probably could have got a win. Another game at the top end of the table, Shrewsbury's 222 for four in their 40 overs. Sam Sherwin, 58, and Dominic Stone, 54 for Shrewsbury. And then in reply, Newport were 147 for three of 25 overs with Michael Windridge, 61 not out, and looking to close down that Shrewsbury 222 target. So again, another game that looked like it it was on the balance and uh, Newport would possibly have been felt like they were favourites in that one. And then the final game, Whitchurch, 220 for six, returning Simon Dimelo-Till, former first team captain, 59 not out for Whitchurch against Hodnett. Hodnett were then 63 for five after 14.3 overs after the rain called at the end of play due to a rain abandonment. So Whitchurch leaving that game with 12 points and Hodnett with eight, which uh, if you Hodnett is a bit of a result, I would say, guys. 
great stuff. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, <laughs> Podnit, Podnit um, they've just had a bit of form lately. Harry Fiaz got 105, not out the week before. Mm. Um, they've pulled away from those bottom two. And the problem for Bridge North and Bishop's Castle is they're not winning games, but they aren't collecting any points. You know, if no. you have a look back through their results, you know, they're getting a point, two points, maybe five at the very best, you know, mm. um, and they they look, unfortunately for them, they, they, they look dead and buried, don't they? Yeah. And another thing, and I know I brought it up on the supplement show, but for these sides down at the bottom who are not picking up points, you've got to be worried as well. And you've got to start picking up points because if last season's anything to go by, it's not necessarily the division below that you'll get relegated in. You could end up being double relegated. So that's something that you've got to mind out for and hopefully try and pick up some points. As you mentioned, Bridge North was 70 for six against Frankton. So ended up with five points this week. Um so it didn't look too great for them and six and five points for Gillsfield and Condover as Gillsfield finished 55 not out well 55 without loss after 10 overs before the heavens opened there anyway guys any final things you would like to say about division four before we move on to division five um just for me and I've mentioned it on previous podcasts Gillsfield I'm not surprised that they're up there you know they seem to have a fantastic team spirit um there's even a couple of the first team turned up at um obviously that their game had got called off early and a couple of them turned up to watch their seconds in Shrewsbury Dave Lewis had turned up um I saw him there at the end at the end of what was the end what became the end of of um our game um because they were we were on the next pitch so you know there seems to be a really good club feel around them and um it's nice to see what is a small village club doing really well um fighting it out with all these um, big boys. Mm. Great stuff. And on that note, we'll move ourselves on to our next division and Division 5. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So we have new leaders in Division 5 reclaiming the top spots, having led into Week 5 are the hipster's choice, Lanidlois. Lanidlois leading the way by one point over Church Stretton after a rain-affected game meant that they finished on nine points and Church Stretton ended on seven. As mentioned, one point behind them are Church Stretton in second place. 40 points behind them are Priorsley, who keep moving up the table week by week 
in fourth place, four, five points behind them are Newtown's second 11. Five points behind them in fifth are Bo Mahe's second 11. Six points behind them are Much Wenlock. Two points behind them in seventh are Beacon second 11. Then a bit of a jump, 16 points behind them are Iskoid and Fence Bank. Then the biggest jump of them all, 40 points down to the bottom four, starting with Wellington fourth 11 on 82 points, two points behind them, St. George's third 11, four points behind them are Kai Glass. Then at the very bottom, 19 points behind them are Calverhall. So it looks like a three-part league in Division 5, a top two a middle group of six, and then a bottom four. Ollie, your thoughts on Division 5, this being the division that you play in? Try to play in. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. Um, yeah, um, we've, we played, we, we played, we've played both um, Lanny and um, Church Stretton. Um, um, but yeah, no, they're both, they're both really, really decent sides. We actually faced Church Stretton when they were quite weak. Um, they only had a couple of their guys from the um, from the abattoir playing for them um, that week. However, two was two was plenty, and they're, they're the two that did all the damage. And um, <laughs> is it? It's Nakvi. Um, he came and smashed the ball all over the place. Mm. Um, and then there was another lad who was bowling that day, and I can't remember his name because it was the second match of the season. But he came out and did the damage with the ball. And between the two of them, they they put pay to us that day. And, Annoyingly, it was actually one of our stronger, um, stronger weeks where we were actually put a stronger team out, but it was still uh, not quite good enough um, on the day. Um, but both those teams, I think it's going to be a bit of a ding dong um, battle between those two for who finishes top and who finishes second um, for the for the remaining part of the season. I wouldn't completely discount Prize League. It looks like they they've got a decent side. Um, and they could they could claw their way back in. Um, be interesting to see. We haven't we didn't we didn't face them unfortunately. We had to concede that day, so can't give you any sort of insight into the into the team and um, how many of that team are um, you know the players I remember from from Harpers. But um, mm. they seem to be doing pretty well, and they did they didn't play cricket for if I recall they didn't they didn't get to play a game for the first few weeks or yeah or the first three more. weeks yeah yeah um and they had a couple of um games given to them and um and weather was about i think but um they seem to have got going and um you know they're doing well they're in they're in third place you know what is that you know they're okay they're 40 points behind church stretton but two decent wins if if they if they played the top two and beat them both they'd probably be not far off um so it's in their own hands really yeah. going you know going into the, the the back back half of the season um Newtown were the big winners this this weekend just gone they were the only the, the only game that was actually completed in um division 5 they uh, managed to bowl Bomer out for 62 and then knocked them off in 9 9.1 overs and Managed to uh, get those points before the the the, um, the heavens opened. So um, you know, big big movers, big you know, big, big result for them in terms of in terms of the league because they they got twenty points when everyone else was sort of getting tens at most. So that's pushed them up up to um, fourth spot. So and you know, again, 
Mm. Annoyingly, we we couldn't make it to Newtown, so I can't talk about how strong they are. Some of the other teams in the division, um, Beacon, uh, we played Beacon on um, on Saturday, first half, and um, they weren't the team that came to Calver Hall by any means at the start of the year, but they've still got some decent players in there. Yeah, And um, a couple of the guys came out down the order. We thought we'd... Thought we'd restricted them quite well, and um, then we had a rain break, and then they came out after the rain and started smashing it all over the place. Lost a few cricket balls in the river, and um, I think one of the lads scored sixty odd in about four, in about forty balls. Although I think it got to the point where it was getting quite quite tough um, with a with a soapy ball, and comes off a bat better than it than it comes out of the hand. It, it, it's been a difficult season for us at Calvert Hall, um, as I'm sure many will know, and we've seen we're looking for players, and um, it's more about unavailability than availability, because we have probably 35 guys on our WhatsApp group. Um, they've all, they're all available to play, but they're not all available to play every week. Um, and there's probably three or four of us that are available pretty much every week and it's difficult to find seven players from the part-time guys if we were all the way around and we had seven that were pretty constant all bar the odd week and we were looking for three or four every week then we'd probably be all right to put a team out but when you're when you've only got four constant and other people sort of filling in around that and you are trying to pretty much just get a team out every week you're not playing good cricket. Your, your morale's down. Everyone's like, well, let's just get through this and, you know, and let's not concede a game. But it's sort of a downward spiral. Um, mm. It becomes very difficult to, you know, so the, the old the old adage is it's easy. It, you've got always got too many players when you're when you're winning games. Um, yeah. What What would you say is the future then for Calvert Hall? Is it just a case of get get to the end of the season, then regroup, or are you looking to potentially do a bit what Atson Reynolds did and get like a bit of a partnership with like a, a, a local another local side? Obviously, it's quite hard with Witchers because obviously they're they're having availability issues of their own with their with their second eleven, and you know. So I get I guess that brings its problems and then you're probably looking a bit further down the road at Coton Hall potentially. Yeah, well, I mean, again, people listeners to this pod will know that um I've got quite a strong link with Coton Hall Cricket Club myself. Um and the clubs through myself and a couple of the guys there have been quite close in the years gone by. I used to I used to captain their midweek side when they had a midweek team and have played a number of games for them. You know, end of season games, presidents games, touring against played against touring teams. So it's a we're two clubs that are quite closely linked. You know, we share equipment um, for end of season renovations. Um, we we help each other do all those sort of things. So there's been talk in the air for probably ten years about should we merge to clubs, should we not? But ultimately, Calverhall's quest this year is to take each game a game at a time and mm. we're going to try and we're going to do our very best to um, make it through the season and you know 
thank you to the clubs that have helped us so far with loans. Yeah, so going back to something you mentioned at the very beginning, Priors Lee, who are at the top end of the table, yeah, they, they had their first game conceded to them by Iskoid and then had Kai Glass and Newtown. Their then next two games were Lanny and Church Stressing at the top and then went four games unbeaten before losing to Wellington and then picked up winning ways against Much Wenot before having their game against Iskoid called off. And at that point, they were 222 for six in that game. The main people are AJA with 51 of 26 and Bian Singh 47 of 22. So it's fair to say they were they were teeing off in that game. And yeah, if they keep on rolling as they are, you look at those weeks 15 and 16 where they play Lanny and Church Stretton and in week 14, the week before, they play Newtown here in fourth. So those three weeks, 14, 15, 16, for those of you who are like, what what week are we in now? We've literally just had week 12. So in a couple of weeks' time, it's going to be a really crucial time in Division 5. Uh, Church Stretton have only lost one game this season, and that came to Lanny. This week in their fixture, as we've basically week 12 is what week's fit one's fixtures were again. So Lanny were 189 for four off their 35 overs and then Church Retton were 19 for no wicket off five in the chase. So yeah, there's no real clues as to what would have happened in that game. As you mentioned, Ollie, in your game, Edward Courtney Harris, 61 of 41 for Beacon against you and Bryn Little and Stephen Careless got to 40s as well. Lanny versus Church Dressing in that game, there was Andrew Jones got 59 and Daniel Lewis 48. Then you look at the much Wenlock versus Wellington game in the sides who were kind of mid-table-ish. Much Wenlock in that mid-table group and Wellington top of that bottom four. Much Wenlock, 172 all out in 37 overs. Dan Searle once again performing with 71 for Much Wenlock. Ish Vidyasanka with 5 for 39 for Wellington. And then in reply, Wellington were 79 for 9 in the 30, just about to go into the 34th over when the game was abandoned. Johan Esterhazen was 41 not out and Mike Grace had 5 for 17 off 9 overs for Much Wenlock. So it looks like Much Wenlock may have just missed out there and it was a good result for Wellington as they ended up with 10 points and Much Wenlock finished with 13 there in that game. As you mentioned, Ollie Newtown with that 21 points uh, consigned Bowman just to 2 points as uh, Bowmere ended up 62 all out. Yeah, it's looking like it's going to be that top four who are going to be challenging unless someone else can make the jump across. As you said, win, lose, draw, lots of points up for grabs. It's going to be hard to see what happens with them with that bottom four as well. And they're going to have to hope that to get a good run of Good run of results, and uh, Kai Glass and Calvo Hall have both got prize. Well, I've got prize Lee and Church Stretton respectively. St George has got Newtown, and uh, it's they've got all those sides in the bottom three have got a tough run of games, all playing like Lanny, Much Wenlock, Stretton, 
Beacon, Bowmere, they're all playing top side. So you do wonder whether if they're going to have to change their fortunes, they're going to have to do it in a big way. But yeah, anyone want to say anything more before we move ourselves on to our next division? Okay, great. Let's move ourselves on to our next division and Division 6. So, in Division 6, still leading the way, 12 weeks on top with 207 points are All Scott Heath, second 11. 32 points behind them are Kund, second 11. They jumped up into second in week 8 and have carried on their good run of form. In third place, 30 points behind them are Lillishall, second 11. One point behind them are Willie, second 11. In fifth, four points behind them are Roxeter, second 11. Two points behind them are Knocking, second 11. Ten points behind them in seventh are Welsh Bull, second 11. Six points behind them are Acton Reynolds. Two points behind them are Harcourt with 120. Then in tenth place, a bit of a jump, 23 points into tenth place, Montgomery, second 11. One point behind them are Column, second 11. And six points behind them are Ludlow, third 11. So, guys, obviously, no Ian Slater for his in depth analysis of this division. But um, what's everyone else's thoughts? What do you see having a look at Division Six? Um, I played a game in division six this year for um Acton Reynolds um and it was against it was against Kund um and they are they are a good outfit this year and and to, to be fair on the day that we played them they had Jason Brooks and Farrell Waters missing so to still score them and they quite comfortably chased down about 240 odd against Acton Reynolds and we got Graham Trow out for one um got him back very cheaply early on but then Dave Ballinger and Craig um, Kinsey came in, and they just they just never looked in trouble. Um, in fact, Dave Ballinger got got put down by a very very tough chance in the slips in the first over. Um, but after that, he he looked a million dollars and never looked in trouble, and and they just they just you know chewed their way through the runs required. They've got two very very um, canny bowlers in Gordon Ray and. Cliff, what's his name? Tim Cliff. Tim Cliff. Um, yeah. Tim Cliff. Yeah. Um, and so, Acton Reynolds were going great guns at the start for the first 10, 15 overs of that game, and then those 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 guys came on too, and they just changed the game. They completely completely strangled the run the, the run rate and um, started to take a couple of wickets eventually um, due to a bit of scoreboard pressure. Um, so. They're they're a good side this year, and I could see them taking um, um, Ulscott quite a long way um, towards the end of the season. And and actually, the game on Saturday looked like it was a pretty uh, pretty interesting game. Kund scored two hundred fifty seven for five from their forty overs, uh, and Ulscott were one hundred twenty five for two from just over twenty overs. So they were going great guns, you know, and chasing that down, you know, pretty much halfway to chasing it down. So. Yeah. It was an it was an interesting last twenty overs in in store in that game, and it's a shame that it shame in many respects that it got rained off. It would have been nice to have seen how how that one panned out, but I think they're two very evenly matched sides. And like you said, James, I think um, Kund look to be the only team that can um, chase them down, and um, uh, definitely definitely a couple of uh, a d- top of a division to watch um, and mm. see how see how it goes on. But it's looking really interesting. 
Yeah, you you mentioned that it was Graham Trow was seventy two, Dave Ballinger eighty one for Kund in that game. Stephen White was sixty nine. He was out for sixty nine at the point, and yeah, it was all set up to be a great game. And if Kund would have won that, that would have been two consecutive defeats for all Scott, a side who started the season unbeaten before losing to Ian Slater's Willie in week 11 and yeah then it would have been if they'd have lost to Kund it would have blown the league wide open another side who potentially could be up there but have been very unlucky they've had six games abandoned out of their 12 are Lillishall's second 11 they had the first four games abandoned against Monty, Column, Knockin and Willie so you got two of those four who are in the bottom two so you'd expect hopefully you well if you were Lillishaw you'd be hoping that you'd win that then they won the next three games one of those come in from a concession against Reynolds but one of those victories came against Kund who were at the top and then after those three games they then had their game against Roxeter abandoned um then came back with a win against Welsh Ball then lost to leaders Allscott Heath then fired back with a win against Harcourt and then their game against Monty was abandoned with Monty nine for three after five overs. So it was a very good start for them. Oliver Preston with three for four off 2.1 overs. So it looked like Lillishaw were going great guns. So Lillishaw potential. Well, I'm not going to say potential. Lillishaw looked like they've been very hard done by. And if they hadn't had those abandoned games might be up there but again they didn't get played so we never know because they could have lost <laughs> for all we know but Ian the Lillishall if you remember um they suffered more than anybody right at the start of the season because of a drainage issue with the water mm. coming from the tennis courts at the end of the ground they were desperate if you remember to get games on and nobody lend them a ground because obviously you know um we're all they wanted to play at at Corvdale, but it was it was too wet for us. We were mm. away that week, and it was too wet. We wouldn't have played at home ourselves. Mm. So they did suffer because of that. But at the other end of the table, um, I think this is the, one of the most exciting divisions in in the in Shropshire this year because Ludlow had an absolutely stonking huge win on Saturday. The only result um, of the day, they were mm. playing Column. They got 20 points. Ludlow were on 70 points. They've gone up to 90. Mm. Um, and Colum are now only six points ahead of them. Colum have just, um, the wave has broken and they're in the trough at the moment. Mm. Um, and, you know, Ludlow looked a long way off a few weeks ago. And, and now, you know, they're really only one good win from, from uh, being fourth bottom. Yeah. Um, but... Kevin Bolton, Ollie's old chap, played again Saturday. And as I said, I think a month ago, he, he played a month ago. Any team with Kevin Bolton in is going to be a very, very good side in Division 6. And if Ollie can get his dad to play a bit more, they'll be home and dry, I think. You know, um, I, I, Colum are, are, are really, you know, they can't buy a win just at the moment. Mm. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're probably the out-of-form team in that division. And I think, you know, Ludlow could move on um, up above them in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, Collins two victories this season coming against Ludlow and Axon Reynolds. Um, Ludlow, first game of the season, then had two games abandoned. 
then went on a run of five defeats before beating Reynolds and then have lost their last three against Harcourt, Monty and Ludlow. I think the the worst thing from a column perspective is those three last defeats have come against three sides that are in and around them. them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in that game, uh, Simon Fletcher, 53 for Ludlow, Kevin Bolton, 42, and Rory Bunting, 43, were both not out uh, for Ludlow. Um, Harvey Birrell, can we say, uh, unlucky. Jug avoidance, as we would say. It'll be uh, 49 for Colm versus Ludlow in that game. But, yeah, it's you'd be slightly worried for Colm's second 11 there. And given how well yeah. their first 11 does, it comes as a bit of a surprise. And I know that's turning into a bit of a cow corner bingo thing, but we're halfway through the season now and it's, yeah. I, I agree completely. I think they're, um, I think they're struggling. I don't know whether they've got uh, availability issues, um, but you know, I think Rory Bunting coming back to play thirds for Ludlow again is another mm. positive for for them. He was superb last season in Division mm. Six. Um, whether that this is just a one-off this week because they've got good availability higher up the teams, I don't know. But Ludlow, I see um, the other game that was on at Ludlow had, had it got a result as well. So obviously the rain stayed away from uh, mm. from Ludlow Saturday, and and the, the two games that were there were two result fixtures. Yeah, looking also around the league, you've got uh, Paul Holyoke got 66 for knocking and Kinnerly in their rain-affected game against Harcourt. Uh, knocking 191 for six off their 40 and Harcourt were 28 for one off t- 10 overs. So points shared there. Also, uh, Roxeter scored 213 for six off their 40 overs against Acton. Reynolds, A.D. Lee and Manjula Wanasinga with the top run scorers for their aid with 46 and Manjula with 42 for Roxeter against Reynolds. Then in response, Nick Russell, 71 and Ian Fox, 47 for Reynolds as they were chasing down that total and they found themselves 185 for five in the 35th over. So five overs remaining and needed 29 runs for victory with the ball in that game samantha sovis three for nine off five overs miserly uh great performance from samantha there yeah there's some big results and some big games coming up in division six and it's not over yet would you say no definitely not i think there's a like i said i think this is probably one of the the tightest leagues um, in the in the within the division, one of the tightest divisions within the league, I should say. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of mileage left in this division six this year. Right, and on that note, we'll move ourselves onto our next division, and everyone's second favourite division, Division Seven. Okay, so leading the way in Division 7 with 165 points at Alberbury, second 11 in second place are Coton Hall with 162. Coton Hall having led the way in Division 7 all the way up until Week 8 have relinquished the top spot over the last three weeks. Close behind them are now a few sides. It's a cracking division, this, with loads of teams in form and pushing for promotion in third place. 
are Quat third 11. They are 17 points behind Coton Hall. Nine points behind them are Condover second 11. One point behind them are Lillishaw third 11. 14 points behind them are Corvdale. One point behind them are Fortin second 11. And then you'll drop down into your bottom three on 93 points. So 27 points behind Fortin second 11 are Ponsbury second 11 who have been a bit resurgent of late, uh, got a bit of availability and some players performing, have seen them move up the table. Ellesmere second 11, then 23 points behind them in ninth. And then bottom of the table, 14 points behind them. A side who have been struggling for availability this year, and that is All Brighton second 11. So where best is to start? They win Ian Alderson. Ian. Well, um, obviously we were in Division 6 last year. I, I think the standard, the cricket this year has been better than in Division 6 last year. I mean, uh, Beacon, Bomier and Ludlow last season were superb, the top three. But, um, you know, everybody can beat anybody in this division this year, perhaps with the exception of Ellesmere and Albrighton. You know, uh, Ponsbury had a superb result yesterday. They beat the weather and they beat Lillishall. You know, uh, they got 180 for two, chasing 179. Um, a fantastic uh, result for them because that's given them a little bit of breathing space now um, over Ellesmere and, and Albrighton. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I know the, all the other games this week were, were abandoned, but uh, the Saturday before, Little Shaw threes. Steve Boney had to go up and play for the twos and the vice captain. Uh, they left Lillishaw threes in the very capable hands, as it turned out, of Dave Bristow, uh, the King of Spain. And uh, they beat Lillishaw twos, you know. So uh, I think Dave ought to be asking for promotion. <laughs> and we're playing him in a couple of weeks, and I shall mention that to him. But, um, you know, it's it's been a superb, uh, it's been a superb division. Um, we've played everybody, obviously, now, and... In our opinion, at Corvdale, Auberbury have been the best side we've played this season as a whole team. Um, you know, they batted better, they fielded better, and they bowled better, you know, as a team than anybody we played. But I would just like to ask Charlie, um, the Brooks family, Charlie, they are, you know, obviously your training, and that is obviously superb because, you know, uh, when you look at the batting statistics for Division 7, there's three Brookses in the top 10. You know what? Where where have they come from? Have they been? Uh, have you been hiding them away, or what you've been doing with them? <laughs> um, yeah, well, all three of the lads, Ben, Sam, and Matt, they they play junior cricket for us. They've played second team. They played a little bit with first. Andy has been a mainstay of the second team for a few years. Um, they've all got. They've all played a lot of hockey. They were brought up a lot of that. So they've got some fantastic hand-eye coordination. And when they get going, they can all smack a ball. Um, as I think you found out the other week, Ian, looking at we the, did, uh, we the score card. <laughs> I think I think I refer to it as being Brookst, which um, I did. they did have that a giggle at. But, um, my phrase exactly. Well, I mean, you got um, you got uh, Matthew at four with three hundred and fifty-seven runs in in the top ten. Andrew at six with three hundred and twenty-three, and and Sam at seven with three hundred and seventeen. Um, you know, two of those have got centuries. It's it, it is a superb um, 
a superb effort and uh, you know it's it's got to be good for Condover. Yeah, I mean, all four could play in our first team, absolutely. Um, they could all play higher. Sam's got uh, runs against a really strong Brosley outfit a few years ago. They've all got some fantastic ability, bat and ball. Um, not so much Andy with the ball, I'm afraid, Andy, if you're listening, I've seen your bowling, but bat- batting-wise, um, <laughs> no, nah, they're fantastic. And, you know, the second team rely on a lot of those guys with the runs. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Um, you've got Chris Henderson as well, really nice chap he's a great guy who will uh he will stand there and battle day if he wants to um him and Anne formed a great partnership but um uh yeah they all enjoy their cricket in the same uh they're a great bunch um they're a great team spirit so hopefully they can push themselves up there it's quite a tight division looking at it i know they've got um they've got quad coming up this weekend so that'll be a that'll be a big game in the division mm. So you mentioned that they're good enough to play in the first team. Why aren't, if uh, they're scoring runs for fun at the moment, is it just the case that the ones is too strong or is it, or you look at, or is it like a tactical thing where you're trying to actively get your second team closer to the ones? There is nothing tactical on the cricket club. Well, far too unintelligent to call it like that. Um, <laughs> they just enjoy their cricket playing as a family. Uh, Playing with their brothers, I think they all get to take the mickey out of each other. Um, they've all played first team; they're all good enough, but they enjoy it where they're at. You know, there's no, there's no feelings of we don't play there. We, you know, like you get in some clubs, there's no politics. They just enjoy it where they're at. The same with our first team, um, but it's benefiting the club. You know, there's, if you if you've got a strong second team, you should in theory have a strong first team. Yeah. Ian, your thoughts, your further thoughts on Division 7. A big win for Quat this weekend, getting 20 points, uh, moving themselves up into third place. Um, Quat, someone who we picked out as a side who would do well, found themselves in the bottom half of the table in the first part of the season, mainly due to abandoned games and then playing two of the better sides in Division 7. And uh, yeah, a good run of form recently. Four games unbeaten, wins against Ellesmere, Fortin, Corvdell and Ellesmere again. Their losses coming to Alberbury, Coton Hall and Lillishaw. Joss so has mentioned previously that... Against the- They've lost against the best three teams in the league, haven't they? Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Um, Joss has mentioned that he thinks that Quat and um, he thinks Fortin are in a fake position and he thinks Fortin could push up, but he thinks that Quat, Condover, Coton and Alberbury may be the sides to fight it out. What are your thoughts? In, who do you think will be fighting it out come the end of the season? I I I don't I think the top four teams are definitely the four best teams in the division. There is no doubt about that. None of those teams are in a false position. Quart have strengthened the batting um, a lot since last year. They were disappointed to come down. Coconall as well were disappointed to come down. Um, we've played Coconall a couple of times in the last month. Had a couple of cracking games against them. I know we couldn't finish yesterday because of the weather. But, um, you know, it was just in the balance for a little while there until the rain came. But, um, you know, uh, I think any one of those teams, uh, those top four teams is is in it, especially Condover have coming in now with a bit of form. You know, they, they perhaps didn't have the start they wanted, but they're. 
they're certainly playing a lot better now, playing more as a team. Mm. Um, Quarter just getting results from everywhere. Interestingly, this weekend, of course, Coton Hall um, usually have a day out at the the finals day, and I, I think they're all doing that. I was talking mm. to Dan uh, yesterday, and it is, of course, the Alberberry game. So, um, trod on their own foot there a little bit, mm. just um, at a crucial part of the season. Mm. They have just stuttered a little bit lately, Coconall. They've lost a couple of games, and obviously we were abandoned yesterday, so they didn't get full points. So, uh, you know, to concede next week is they are just um, not helping themselves just at the moment to stay up there. Yeah, you look at their last five games. Uh, their game was again week seven was abandoned to Lillishall, then lost to yourselves, Corvedale, uh, then lost quite heavily to Alberbury the week after. Then they didn't get on in week ten because Pontsbury conceded, and then as you mentioned, Cor- Coton Hall were 120 for five in the process of chasing down Corvedale's 133. Christopher Marsden. 40 for Coton Hall, the standout performance there. Um, elsewhere around Division 7, Joss Elliott keeps up his top form with 74 not out. Luckily for the rest of the league and all of the listeners for the Cow Corner podcast, it rained and it got declared before he got another Division 7 ton that he would be talking about um, and gloating about. And uh, Jim Wynn was 72 not out as well in that game for Alberbury against All Brighton. Um, before Aubrey declared um, on 224 for three in the 33rd over. Then Albrighton in response was 77 for eight. Going into the 29th over, James Bird, four for 21 for Aubrey there before the rain came down and scuppered Aubrey's chance of taking all 24 points there. Aubrey finishing with 14, Albrighton with six. In the Condover-Forton game, Matthew Brooks, 73, and Sam Brooks, 62, saw Condover reach the double Nelson, 222 for eight in their 40 overs, but the game couldn't continue after the rain break, and Forton didn't even get a chance to get out and bat. Then, as you mentioned, Pontsbury, 180 for two, beating Lillishall, who had set 179 for six. Big standout performance for Matthew Haig, 109 not out for Pontsbury in that game. A fantastic knock for him. John Morris, uh, Sam Chadwick and Harry Price, the people to stick along with him as uh, Pontsbury picked up their third win of the season and their second win against Lillishall. Then, as we mentioned, Quat 99 for two, having bowled out Ellesmere for 98. Mark Ward, 44, not out for Quat versus Ellesmere. Jenny Biddle, three for 22, and Joseph Daly, three for 31 for Quat against Ellesmere there. So, yeah, guys, any final thoughts and predictions on Division 7? I would just like to mention, um, like I say, we've played Coton Hall a couple of times in the last month. And a lad who I've seen bowl a lot in those two games, Aaron Jones, he picked up three for 20 against us uh, yesterday. He was turn, he, he, he was bowling pace at our place a month ago and he had the last couple of overs of spin. He said he sort of pulled his side and he bowled spin yesterday and he was turning it a mile. He had an absolutely great game, got a few runs as well with a bat. 
he always plays with a smile on his face. He's he's a lovely lad to have in the team. I think Coden are very lucky to have a player like that. Uh, I thought he had a, he's had a great couple of games against us. You're looking at the final four games in Division Seven, and it's going to be a cracking end to the season. Alberbury have got Forton, Quat, Condover, Quat, Coton All have then got pretty much the bottom few. They've got Ellesmere, Lillishall, Ponsbury, Ellesmere. Quats um, got Ponsbury, Corvdale, Alberbury, Forton, Alberbury. Condover have got Ponsbury, Corvdale, Alberbury, Ponsbury. So it's going to be decisive at the top end and at the bottom end in those final four games, Ian. Yes, most definitely. I think the only unfortunate thing about the final game of the season is that is the extra fixture. Mm. It is the the, the bonus game. So really, you know, um, teams, that's a bit of a lottery on who is playing who. Mm. Um, because it is an that is an extra fixture. Um, I, I think if anything, if they were, and I, I've never been a fan of the extra fixture, but I would have liked to have seen them perhaps lumped together in the middle of the season um, and get them out the way. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a great end to the season and Division 7 is shaping up to be one of the best divisions. And I know we've said that about quite a few of them, but it, it, it truly is. It's It's been great this season and it's been great competition at the top and bottom end. So let's move ourselves on to Slats' favourite and everyone else's favourite division, Division 8. Okay, so we move on to Division 8, and in Division 8, leading the way still, having led the way from Week 3 into Week, what is now Week 11, our Gillsfield second 11 on 151 points, but pot on their tail with 149 points, so just two behind our Keyside first 11. Now, in third place, our Kai Glass second 11, but I'll come back to that in a minute. They are 43 points behind. Then in fourth, two points behind them, our Sentinel third 11. Then 12 points behind them, our Beacon third 11. And then 19 points behind them, our Chirk second 11. Now, Kai Glass second 11 and Chirk second 11 had their game postponed this week which was postponed at the very beginning of the season uh, and that is because there was a fair at uh, Chirk so that means that the game is going to be played in week 21 in Division 8 so the very final week so after the season is finished in Division 8 those sides will play each other the week after so those two sides from now until the end will be a game behind so it's going to be quite interesting analyzing this division but um Gillsfield having looked like they were running away with it have lost two of the last four and had their last game against Beacon abandoned which has brought it all close and given the way that Division 8 is with teams playing each other in groups of two so at the moment Gillsfield playing Beacon twice then they play Church twice and they play Sentinel twice then they play Kai Glass twice and then at the end of the season those two final games it's our top two Keyside versus Gillsfield so if it stays the way it is it's going to be an exhilarating final two weeks in division eight but yeah it's it's all coming closer and yeah what a division division eight's been guys um just just a quick one really I mean we again I was at um Frankwell yesterday and um 
Uh, Gilsfield were playing there against Beacon Thirds, and you know, it looks like they're having a lot of fun. Um, you know, I think it was a low scoring game. Uh, Gilsfield were 20 odd for two in response to Beacon's 108, something like that. Yeah, 108 um, all out to Gilsfield, 28 um, for two after seven overs. A couple of uh, grumpy batsmen uh, walking off uh, for Beacon. I won't, I won't <laughs> drop the names because it's not fair to them. Um, that uh, give one was given out court and he it said it, it was nowhere near him. It, it is thigh pad. Um, <laughs> so uh, he was uh, he was not best pleased, but it, it, you know he accepted the decision eventually. I think and uh, and, and trudged off. They, they seem to be having a great time. The Gillsfield guys were all you know they're all in their club colours and all went back to the beacon afterwards for a pint and all seem to be but they all seem to be having a great time and it's a lot of this. Well, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Um, thing about it and, and I think it's quite nice in some respects to have a bit of a oh well you did one over us this week we'll make sure we come back a bit stronger against you next week it's like uh, <laughs> it adds, adds an extra it adds an extra dimension to this this division where in year you, you if you if you feel you narrowly missed out one week you've got the chance to immediate chance to um rectify it the following week and uh, do one over on them um if you if you lost the week before or or for some teams, if you if you like if you're a top team playing the bottom team, it's a chance to um kick on and get two good wins potentially. Um it, there's a lot of there's a lot of sort of different things that we're we're not used to in in uh, division eight. Um obviously it's a small division, but um I think it's quite interesting. And I think mm. it's although I didn't really I have to say I didn't get the thinking behind it at the start of the year, thought it was interesting. Um, thought it could throw up some interesting stuff. Um, I think it was. It's actually turned out to be to be really to re- be really good division, and it looks mm. like it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and you look at the form in Division Eight as well, and it's only Week Five and Six where all three sides won back to back. So Beacon beat Church home and away, Keyside beat Kai Glass home and away, and Gillsfield beat Sentinel home in a way so that's been outside of week nine where kai glass beat beacon home in a way in weeks nine and ten there that's the only week where games on on the field have been decided where it's been back-to-back victories for a certain side in week seven and eight uh sentinel beat beacon in week seven but then beacon conceded in week eight so not really counting that they technically you should probably but what i'm trying to get at is when both sides have gone on the field it's not been it's you know it's been back and forth you know it's not been certain sides completely running away with it and uh with the way that this division set up as well even though the sides are so far ahead because everyone's playing each other they only needs a certain run of form from a certain side or a certain side to go out of form for this table to completely change yeah, I think the big result for me in the last month was on the 10th of June when Kay Glass beat Gillsfield and Gillsfield only got three points that day. That's mm. the week that uh, Keyside closed the gap. And ever since then, it's been tit for tat. Gillsfield beat Keyside the following week, 20 points to seven points. Then the week after, on the 24th of June, Keyside beat Gillsfield. 20 points to eight points mm. this week abandoned they both got nine points it's since that 10th of june game when when uh, keyside closed the gap on on gillsfield it really has been neck and neck yeah 
And you look at the bottom end of the table and that week one, two and three, when we had that wet weather, you know, you look at Chirk and Kai Glass, they were playing each other week one and two. And they're the two yep. bottom sides. So there you, if those games would have gone ahead, you never know how that might have changed the perspective of the league and Beacon as well. They they had a few games cancelled, but they, you know, they some of these they're still beating each other, but it's just like picking up the odd defeat randomly, and that's kind of why the other sides haven't quite gone all the way with Gillsfield and Keyside, but also why it's still wide open. And, you know, you look at this week, Gillsfield versus Beacon, as you mentioned, Beacon in fifth place, Gillsfield uh, leading the way, Beacon 108 all out, uh, Dan Foskett 31, Ray Collins uh, 17 before he uh, snicked off, Ivor Pearsall 4 for 18 off 12 for Gillsfield uh, against Beacon. And then, yeah, Beacon then got the skipper and opening back Gary Griffiths out for five, then got number three, James Langford out for 12. Uh, Andy Tro 12 not out when the game was abandoned. So it was all set up and you never know what might have happened there. And then Keyside, your second place side, Sentinel go and put on, who were in fourth place, go and put on 229 for nine. So might feel a bit hard done by there. Um, there's no scorecard on play cricket, unfortunately. So we can't tell you who did well uh, in that game at this point of talking. I have checked all day and nothing's come up yet. And uh, Keyside were 22 for one halfway through the seventh over. So again, that's another game that was set up nicely and Sentinel threes, if they'd have won that, that could have jumped them right up the table and uh, put them in contention with putting them probably only a win behind Keyside and a win and a half behind Gillsfield. So yeah, they've, uh, they come up against all these sides come up against each other next week. So scores will be properly settled. Yeah. With that Kai glass and Chirk postponement once again, you know, you're not quite sure how it might pan out and where it might go, guys. I think it's a very good job that they're playing that game because last year we tried and tried to get a the the Chirk Festival was the day that Corvdale should have been playing Chirk at Chirk. We couldn't get it in. And of course, we hadn't got a spare week last year to play. Mm. This year, because of us finishing earlier, there is room at the end of the season for them to play. So I think it's a, you know, it's a very good... Um, outcome that the, we can have a full set of fixtures for Division 8. Mm. Yes, and uh, roll on the, the the second half of the season and go well to everyone in those divisions. And I can't wait to see how it all ends up because it's, it's poised to be a cracking end of the season in all of the divisions. And talking of that, let's move ourselves on to our final section. So once again, as always, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cow Corner Podcast. This is the extra show. So as we've said, we have our supplement show. So that's every week that we also have a Birmingham League episode and they are coming out every other Thursday. And then in between those episodes, we'll have our Shropshire League show and our extra show where we'll talk more in general. They're kind of like a big bumper monthly episode where we will be talking about the leagues more in general, whereas the supplement show will be looking at the weekly results and what's been going on in shorter segments as we give ourselves five minutes to talk about each division. So it's a quick snapshot of the whole of the Shropshire League. Uh, and that is with Slats, Joss and myself. But yeah, we will still get all that bonus content. If you do have anything you want us to mention on the podcast, 
please get in touch send us an email or uh, to cowcornerpodcast at gmail.com we'll get into or send us a message we are on threads we're on instagram we're on facebook youtube twitter um if it's still going at this point of uh, talking cow corner podcast and cow corner pod for twitter you can find us there if you are interested come and play f- uh, let us know if you're interested in playing for the sunday 11 it's a great day out and uh, also a good trip home isn't it charlie a very good trip home from what i remember it was a good fun day out against that hawk 11 but yeah if you are interested in playing um or even if you are interested in playing us and hosting us let us know because what we are looking to do is not only are we looking to play against teams but we're looking to use it as a way to uh film some of the matches and do some features on some of the sides that we play against uh doing some video footage and also if, if you don't want to be seen on video if you're just like myself and you have a face for radio and you'd rather do a podcast inside we can do that as well so if you are interested do get in touch for that um but yeah make sure you like share and subscribe let's keep trying to grow the podcast even though we've been doing it over 100 episodes and we are into our fifth year we still need your help and support and uh we are very privileged that we still have your support a bit disappointed unfortunately i think the internet's done us for a bit of good quality charlie rogers content this evening but we'll try and get you back on another time when we do it live charlie but it's been it's been great having you on thank you very much for coming on charlie no problem mate it's been very enjoyable cheers it's been great having you back ollie you bring an extra element to the podcast and it's been great having you back is that extra element hair without knowing yeah, you, did, you, did, you did it's it's uh it's been good to be back um i always enjoy my, the the podcast that we do together and we'll like i said we'll try and do the next one uh in person yes and, definitely uh, uh, definitely we'll try and get and do that one so it'll be in a few weeks time now uh so the next episode will be the Birmingham league episode and the supplement show then the week after that will be just the shropshire league show then the week after that will be a Birmingham league show and a supplement show then the next one after that will be the extra show and you'll be there won't you ian i certainly will be Great no problem stuff. at all james always a pleasure We've got that on recording as well. So if anything changes between now and then, you're you're contra- <laughs> you're obligated to turn up. obliged. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, always great having you on, Ian. And uh, yeah, thank you for coming on again, mate. No trouble at all, mate. Always a pleasure. And thank you guys for listening. This has been another episode of the Cow Corner Podcast. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.